Some of you may be concerned. I'm here to offer a assuring word as the young boy tapped his mom as they partook of the Lord's Supper. Wow, was this going to be a long service? They're feeding us lunch in between. Um, we, we, this is just a special day. We've got several things that, that we are celebrating, we're thanking God for, and certainly will take a little bit longer, but we do respect your time. And besides, we're staying for lunch. So uh, we encourage you to stay and to, to celebrate lunch with us today on this special day. I want us to focus in just these few moments on this idea of holiness. If you'd allow me to offer this play on words to set apart the holy. We have, we've lost in, in our culture and in our world today, I think a, a sense of holiness. We, we have given it over to the, the profane, to the, to the common. We, we have allowed the misuse of holiness in the sense of it, it being interpreted as legalism and Pharise- Pharisaism. And we have given over the holy. But today I want us to focus on, on this beautiful gift of holiness. The ordinance that we've shared today, baptism and Lord's Supper, are, are holy moments. They are moments that are set aside within the, the life and the congregation that we share together. And they're set apart as unique and special and holy times in which we can worship and share together. Obviously, the word holy literally means to set apart. To set something apart or to devote something for sacred purposes, obviously it has, has connotations and, and understanding within the context of what we do in our churches, in our relationship with God as we worship a holy God. It means that God is set apart. He's, he's different he's than, than, than anything else. And so therefore we worship a holy God because there's no one else like Him. This morning as we come to celebrate our educators, our students beginning a, a, a new year, we want to, to pray God's blessing on them. We want to set them apart for the task that's in front of them and in a few moments, we'll do that with Bibles to our first and our sixth graders. But also, we want to take a few moments today to set apart a, a, a remodeled, a renewed facility. Certainly all of our facilities included in this, but to give thanks and celebration for a facility, for a classroom space, an office space that is set apart for a unique purpose and calling and, and, and place to be a part of. As I was looking back in, through the Scripture and trying to prepare for today, I, I thought of two different examples in, in times when they took time to dedicate and to set apart construction, buildings. Certainly the Solomon's Temple was one of those times in Scripture. And we see the beautiful prayer of, of Solomon as they dedicate the new temple unto the Lord. But there's also that occurrence in the book of Nehemiah where, where they complete the wall. And where they have a time of dedication and of celebration and of recognizing that God was instrumentally involved in helping to reset and to replace and to rebuild the law that surrounded Jerusalem. In fact, in Nehemiah 6, verses 15 through 16, the scripture says this. So the wall was completed 
And when all the nations surrounding us saw it, they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. As we remember that the Jewish people were in exile at this time and, 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 and they had been out of Jerusalem for at least 70 years and Nehemiah, Ezra, was actually the first one to bring back a group to, to Jerusalem and this beloved city, this city that was set apart, had suffered ruin and destruction. And Nehemiah came and, and as he saw that, that city in, in despair, it broke his heart. And he went back to his king and he, he told of the place in Jerusalem and he, he gained the favor of the king so that he could come and begin to rebuild the wall. Yet the enemies of Jerusalem, the enemies of, of God's people purposed that this would not happen and, and they began to ridicule and to make fun of and didn't believe that God could do this or these people could do this. And with the blessing of the king, certainly with his authority, Nehemiah began to rebuild the wall. He began to create a new vision for the people that were there. And with those that he brought back from, from captivity, they began to rebuild the wall and built it in just over 50 days. And in chapter 6, we see that the wall is complete and that because the wall is complete, the people around them, even the enemies of God said, wow, look what this people did. We didn't think they could do it. Surely God was in their midst. Surely God empowered and helped to accomplish this task and this feat as this wall would then separate out Jerusalem and provide the security and the safety so that it could be rebuilt so that people could live in safety and security. So at the end of chapter 6, we see the declaration that the wall is complete. Yet if you go back to the first verses of chapter 6 in Nehemiah. The scripture says, it was reported to Sanballat that the enemies of, of Jerusalem, that I, that Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it. Although at that time, he says, I had not yet set up the doors in the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? It's Nehemiah's response. The wall had been complete, but the gates were not yet set. So that meant that the walls were still very permeable, that, that, that people could still come in and out at night, especially the enemies of the Jewish people. You see, the, in the first verses of chapter 6, we discover that while the wall is complete, the work is yet to be done. And today, as we celebrate this, the, the, the completion of the construction of, of, of our east wing, of the steps, of, of the things that have taken place in the sanctuary, we want to pause and give thanks. I remember as we've been through this process over the last several years, that we had many that said, you know what, we can never, we can't do this. This is too big of a scope of a, a project for us. We can't afford this. We, we, can't, we can't do this. We need to cut back. And there was a sense that God was leading us. And so as we come to this place of dedicating this new space, this renewed space, it's my prayer. It's our prayer as a, as a community of believers 
that those around us would celebrate and understand that this could not be done. It could not have been accomplished without God in our midst. And we're here to celebrate that first and foremost today. But you see, the work is not over yet. The remodeling is done and we are enjoying the benefits and use of the building. But the gates are not yet secure. You see, church, we are still vulnerable. And we must continue to be faithful and to finish what we have set out and committed ourselves to do. And certainly I'm talking about how we're going to continue to to pay for this facility. We made the decision not to take out long-term loans and, and to commit to the project at hand. And so let me share where we are. And we've made such incredible strides financially to be where we are. But our capital campaign, our Ignite campaign is for three years. And we are approaching two years. The wall is finished. But let's be sure that we finish and set the gates. And not leave ourselves vulnerable. We pledged as a congregation $3.127 million. To date, over a three-year period, to date, we've received $2.3 million. We are well ahead of projected receipts for this project. Many of you said, you know what, we want to support this, but we, we are not in a place to make a pledge. We've received almost $280,000 from folks who didn't make pledges. To date, we've taken out our current line of debt that we have is nine, right under $950,000. So we've paid the, the almost the $2 million we've we've built construction loans at $949,000, but we have $370,000 on hand that will go to pay towards that. And this month alone, in the month of August already, we've received over $100,000 towards the Ignite campaign. We're doing a good job. The money's coming in. We're ahead of schedule. Folks are, are excited. We're excited about what God is doing in our midst. But church, let us take this morning to recognize that the work's not done. Let's continue to meet those, those commitments that we've made. Let's continue to pray. If we didn't, weren't able to make a commitment at that time, if we're new to the church, how can we come alongside and help secure the gates so that we're not vulnerable as we look over these next 13, 14 months to complete our Ignite campaign? This morning, we have several that we want to acknowledge and recognize that are here that, that have been such a part of of helping to create a vision for the facilities and the building and, and have helped us to be able to, to build, have helped us to be able to, to raise the funds and, and encourage us and paint that picture. So if you would allow me to, to recognize some folks. <coughs> and I want to ask each of you to stand as, as I do. Uh, first of all, the general contractor, Miller Tippins. Uh, Sam and his wife are here and daughters. Where are the Tippins at? Y'all stand. Thank you. Y'all have done a great job. Uh, Crittenbrink Architecture, now there's several, so let me introduce them. Mark and Deborah Crittenbrink are here. Francis and Astrid Cubier are here. And uh, Aaron and, and Mario, Mario Rosas are here. So you all, thank you so much for all that you've done. Yeah. Y'all <laughs> you remain standing. Now this is where pastors get in trouble when they recognize church members and they miss some. Um, but I, I wanted to acknowledge, and I hope we got everyone, and, and if I didn't, you can stand up here in a minute. Let me know I forgot you. We've had members who've been contractors and who've participated and helped us. 
Schaffner and Volucci, I'd like to ask Gary and Mark Lasseter and, um, and Phil to stand, and there may be others that work with them, but I think Mark Lasseter lived up here for about six months during part of this, and uh, those guys, are a lot of them are back in the back. Markhams have been so gracious and generous. Kelly and Jennifer, you all stand with, with our shrubs and things. Betty Allen with, with Sod. Yeah, thank you so much. As we, as we tried to equip and furnish, Chuck Lawrence and Brandon Recop have helped us to, be, have to do that. I know Chuck is back here. Um, thank you all so much. There, there may be some others that, that have been a part of this. Uh, project team, Don Gilmore is the project team. Don, you stand. Everyone that worked with Don, you guys stand. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a church effort. Um, Judy Hickson and her group that worked on the East Wing. Judy and your group, you all stand up and... And uh, it's fantastic. Y'all did a great job. And, and the youth ministry team, y'all stand with Kirk. And the youth area is incredible. And we're excited about getting our youth up there. Uh, Jerry Chinawa served as project advisor. And we celebrate his work. And want to thank him and Roy Joe um, to, to be a part of that. So um, I want to thank all those. Our Ignite team with James Harp, Jay Jimerson, Joe Shockley, and others that helped with the Ignite team. Y'all stand as well. There's just, it seems like everyone had a, had a role. Yeah. And then I'd like to ask everyone to stand. And we're going to have a prayer, but everyone to stand because in, in so many ways we've all participated. We've all been involved. We've given and we've shared. We're, we're celebrating the opening of this facility. And so we want to give thanks. You know, it's interesting that as they dedicated the wall, Ezra showed up with the Scripture. And listen to chapter 8, verse 5. To commemorate the dedication of the wall, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood. You know how they dedicated the wall around Jerusalem? They stood, and Ezra read Scripture. I wonder what Scripture he read. Out of the law, the first books of the Bible. You know, it doesn't say, but, but maybe this is a passage that he read. Let's hear the Word of God and commit ourselves and dedicate ourselves today. Now this is the commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. They just read the, the law, the, the Ten Commandments. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess so that you and your sons and your grandsons might fear the Lord your God to keep all of His statutes and His commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall take to them, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
I don't know what Ezra read. But it seems that this portion of the law speaks to us in a mighty way that we might commit to follow after Him, to obey His precepts, to teach them to our children and to the generations that follow. And then I suspect that there was a prayer. And I'd like to ask us to participate and to enter into this prayer together. It's in your bulletin and it will be on the screens as well. Let us pray. Our Father, Creator of heaven and earth, we worship and adore You this morning through our music and through the proclamation of Your Word. We consecrate the new steps, the doors, and foyer into this sanctuary for Your glory. We consecrate the East Wing education and office space for your glory. Let your word be studied and understood in this place. Let music sound forth in worship and praise. Let business be done with grace and integrity. We give thanks for all those who dreamed, who planned, who worked, and who gave to make this day possible. We dedicate ourselves as faithful stewards. Amen. Please be seated. We've dedicated this place, and then we would ask, now what are we going to do here? Well, we're going to love people. We're going to teach the Word. We're going to live the journey of faith as Christ's followers. Now certainly in the context of Ezra and Nehemiah, they had the law. Today, we have the Old and the New Testament. We have the complete record of God's revelation through Scripture. We have a holy Bible. A Bible that's been set apart. A book that is authority for us. It's interesting, in Nehemiah 8, verse 8, the Scripture says, they read from the book, from the law of God, translating it to give sense to those so they understood the reading. Isn't that what we're called to do to our children and to our youth is to, to read Scripture and then to translate it. To help them to be able to understand it so that they can embrace it and they can begin to live that out in their lives. That's what our East and our West Wings are committed to in education. And so at the dedication of our education space, it is very appropriate that we Give away Bibles. As a church, we've committed to, to nurturing our children. We give our, our, our young families Bibles as they bring their infants home and as they dedicate their children, we give a Bible. We give a Bible to our first graders as they begin that, that education process and begin to, to learn to read and to think on their own. We give Bibles at sixth grade as our elementary age students transition into middle school. And finally, we give Bibles as our graduates graduate, as they go to college, as they enter into the armed forces or go off to school or to work in whatever way they do. And today, we get to celebrate and be a part of this by presenting to our first and our sixth graders Bibles. 
So I'd like to ask those to come forward, our first graders and our sixth graders to come forward. And, and uh, let's let our first graders on my right and our sixth graders on my left. So come on, Gabe and everyone else. There's Dylan's going to be seventh grader. Alex, where'd he go? Are there others? Come on down there. They're coming from the balcony and from other places.